Lord, this morning we ask that you bless Luke in the words that you have to share with us through him. So God, I pray that you speak through him, that you will do a mighty work in his life and that you will bless him, that you will bless his family and his ministry, and that you will, we will just see that expand through his life. But God, this morning, I pray that again, that you speak through him and that you will bless us through his words. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, great to see everyone again. Um, so good to see so many familiar faces from the last time I was here. It was a privilege. Um, Chris is um, a very generous person. Uh, I wasn't invited back because the sermon last time was so great. Rob Touchstone was supposed to be here today, and he had something come up, so Steve thought, which of my friends has nothing going on in his life and would be available? So here I am. Here I am. Uh, I have my wife, Erica, with me today, and uh, glad that she's with me. Uh, she's really excited because uh, she loves uh, being out in the cold and freezing, and we're about to go to the Titans game. So we're, it's going to be a fun, fun day. I will probably be sleeping on the couch. So, <clears throat> um, all right. So I see, I see Jim over here. He's got, he's got a UT um, shirt on. So I take it you are a Vols fan. Go Vols, right? Any of you sports fans or just generally like have, okay, on a scale of one to ten, you know, a five is a sports fan who is like, you know, I can watch sports, but I, I don't get that passionate. A ten is I, I can throw things at my TV if things don't go my way, that type of thing. Who, who's a, a seven or above? Anybody in here? You don't want to admit it. I, I totally understand. Okay, there's a few honest folks. Okay, a few broken TVs here and there. Well, you know, my, my, we have a daughter, Olive. She's 13 years old and um, just such a wonderful person. And she, she has uh, so many immense talents. You know, she's smart. She's, um, she's, she's so gifted rhythmically. She's a, she can dance. She can, she's a cheerleader. She's just got so many talents. Um, and she, she decided um, a, about a month ago, that she wanted to try out for the middle school softball team. So, Olive has never really played any sports. And when I say, I, I can see my, my daughter, and I, while well, I feel like she is perfect in every way, right? But I can recognize limitations. And so, you know, you, you've seen people who play sports and the ball's coming at them and they kind of cringe like that, you know, that, that kind of thing. She's gotten better. She's gotten better. She's really improved and she's learned how to, how to swing the bat at the ball and not step away from it and things like that. But um, it, was, it was rough. This past week on Tuesday night were the tryouts, okay? So she went to the tryouts. I have a video of her swinging about 10 times and missing 10 times. And uh, sweet little girl. She just wanted to, to, to try something new, I guess. So on the way home, she, she got out. She was very discouraged. You guys know how this goes. She, she knew it didn't go well. And she, was, she got in the car. And on the way home, I, I, she was just so upset. And I said, Olive, you know, would you want to be on the team? Because I'm thinking, if you make this team, 
you're not going to play a lot, right? And if you've ever been parents where your kids are on a team and they're on the bench all the time, it's kind of discouraging, right? You go to every game and your kid's never playing and it's, it's hard to get excited for it. So I said, Olive, would you want to be on, would you want to make the team even if you were sitting in the dugout every single game? And she said something I think was kind of profound. She kind of made this sermon for me. She said, yeah, because I want to be on the team. I'd rather be on the team than not be on the team. Now think about the, your life, everything about who you are. We as people are created in such a way that we need some kind of jersey to wear, so to speak. Right? We all have our jerseys. We have our UT Vols. I saw a guy with a Titans jersey on somewhere. You know, We have those jerseys that we want to wear because we all want to feel like we're a part of something bigger than us, right? And <clears throat> the, the problem is, this spills into our lives. The, pro- the problem is that Jim, being a Vols fan, means that every Florida Gator chomp person is unintelligent. Right, Jim? Is that accurate? It's pretty, okay, okay. Sorry for any Gator fans, but Jim decided that, you, you know, if you wear that jersey, then you are not a very smart person or you are not somebody that, that I want to be friends with. You know, of course, today we're all going to root against the Broncos because we want our Titans to win. We all want to be on a team. And this, this sort of black and white thinking, what's interesting is when people take off the jerseys, it, they, they're all just sort of people. And I love, watching, I love watching games where after a really hard-fought game or a blowout type of game, no matter what, like you'll see, you'll see the, the believers on the team. They'll kind of gather around the center of the field or the center of the court. They'll kneel down and they'll pray together. And you'll see people from different jerseys and different teams coming together to do this. They don't often put that on TV. What we like to see is like all the, the sort of the hate, the pushing away. There's a a need to be on a team. And there is less of a need for us to feel like the person who's not on the team isn't one of us. So Chris actually shared a a passage, and I'm going to share one similar to you. There's this really interesting passage in Mark chapter 9. If you you have your Bible, you can turn there. Sorry, I didn't send a PowerPoint, so we don't have it up on the screen. But um, Mark chapter 9. In verse 33, there's this, this little conversation happening as Jesus and the disciples are going along. They're starting to, he's picking up notoriety. He's healed some people. There, there's, people are recognizing like this, Jesus is a prophet. There's something very special about him. And so the disciples are walking along and they have committed their lives. They've left their fisherman careers. They've left a tax collector career. They've left all their careers to follow Jesus. That's how significant he is. And they're all thinking, okay, I'm getting on the team of this guy who is going to do something very special and significant. And so they're all talking amongst themselves about who's going to be at the right hand and the left hand. Who's, gonna be, who's the best of the disciples? Because on the team, we all want to be Derrick Henry, right? We all want to be that person who's, 
who's recognized as bringing value and significant and, and super important to the team. We don't want to be the person who's, who's not very important on the team. So the disciples are all arguing amongst each other, and he, Jesus calls them out, and he says, what were you arguing about on the road? And they kept quiet because the way they had argued, uh, they were arguing about who was the greatest. And sitting down, Jesus called tw- the 12 to him, the 12 disciples, and he said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. So one of these passages where Jesus is always like flipping things on its head, whatever your logic is or whatever it is that you think you know about the world and about God, he's always turning it around on you. He says, if you want to be first, then you need to be the person holding the door and letting everybody else go in front of you. That's how you become great in my kingdom. He took a little child and he had him stand among them. So he's drawn this attention to a child, a little one. And he says, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now, what's interesting about this, the main passage I want to talk about is what comes next. But what's interesting is the context of the passage we're going to focus on is first, Jesus is telling his disciples that the greatest in the kingdom are some of the people who are very young in their faith. The Greek word he uses for, for little children is, is padawan or padon. And th- this is a, a Greek word that is referenced for uh, children, but also used in context sometimes of people who are just very new, a novice at something. So it's, I, don't, I don't want you to get honed in too much on this is all about kids, okay? Because what Jesus is saying is this child that's standing here, this little one, represents a lot of people who are journeying in their faith. They're just, they're starting out, and they don't know what they're doing entirely. So the passage that, we, that I want to focus on is the next one. In verse 38 of Mark 9, he says, uh, Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. You hear the team language? He wasn't wearing our jersey. He wasn't one of the 12 called out ones. He was not one of us, right? And so Jesus says something so interesting because normally the Jews are always thinking in terms of you're either a Jew or a Gentile. That's the world they lived in. You're either a slave or you're free. You're a Greek or a non-Greek. You're in the Roman Empire, or you're against the Roman Empire. They were always thinking about what team and what identity do I have, and then who are the people that are my enemies? They're not my friends. They're always against me. They're Florida Gators. So Jesus says, don't stop this man from driving out demons. We don't even know who he is. We don't have his name on record. He's not one of the 12. We still to this day have no idea who this person was. He says, don't stop him because no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me for whoever is not against us is is for us. 
Whoever is not against us is for us. That's kind of very, very significant for this time. Because in a time when everybody is looking to hate, and there's, we're looking for battles to win, and we're looking for people to be either on our team or off of our team, Jesus says, actually, I just want you to think about people who are, who are trying to figure it out together. I want you to think about people who are not actively trying to squash what we do. They are not actively trying to be our enemies. This man is trying to drive out demons. He probably is doing it in a very awkward, uncomfortable way where he's driving out demons from people and he's like, I guess Jesus' name or something. I don't know what I'm doing, but he, he's doing it. He could be a total novice, and he's looking from a distance at the 12, thinking, man, I'd like to be a part of that. And so I just want to do what that Jesus guy is doing. And instead of being afraid of another person who is doing the same work he's doing, instead of being afraid that someone else might gain notoriety or somebody else might be a competitor with me, Jesus says, what are you doing trying to squash that? That person is not against us. He's for us. That's beautiful. That's what we want. That's how this movement's going to grow. And you know what's funny is that it's still true 2,000 plus years later. That he's saying, look, we're, we've spent a whole lot of time in the church creating rules, haven't we? We created a whole lot of formulas. We literally created steps of salvation. And depending on what jersey you wear within the kingdom of God, your steps might be a little bit different. And I'm telling you guys, what we missed the boat with those things. Because we, we forgot passages like this where Jesus is always calling us to look at people not as people who are against us, but they are for us if they're not actively trying to, to destroy the kingdom of God. And there's very few people really trying to do that in the world around you today. Most of the people you work with, most of the atheists that you know, mo most people are probably fairly agnostic in their faith. They just don't know or care. Or maybe they believe in God, but they don't know much about Jesus. And they're just looking for, I don't know what God does in my life. And those are prime opportunities for you and me, wherever we're at in our journey of our faith, to be people who are helping them along in their journey. We love to create rules, though, don't we? Love it. I'm going to tell you, Steve and Veronica are currently in Honduras, right? I'm going to tell you three countries. Steve Cunningham, your pastor, one of the godliest men I know, will never be able to visit. I want you to envision Steve in your mind, okay? He's gonna, he, you got to tell him this when he gets back. He'll really appreciate it. All right, he will never be able to visit Thailand. You know why? Because Thailand has a law that you are not allowed, it is illegal, to drive shirtless, okay? 
And if any of you ever see Steve with a shirt on while he's driving, take a picture because I won't believe it, okay? That man can't keep a shirt on when he's driving. He will never be able to visit Switzerland because there are parts of Switzerland that have a law that say that you cannot flush after 10 p.m., okay? Can't, he, he wouldn't be able to go there. He wouldn't be able to go there at all. He will never be able to go to Egypt because in Egypt, this is... I mean, this is a bit misogynistic, but Egypt has a law that the only people who can belly dance are women. And my man Steve loves belly dancing. I mean, you can't stop the guy from doing it. Please tell him this. He will appreciate this, okay? I promise, Reagan. We love laws. We love rules. We love to create rigid boundaries around things, right? We like to create laws upon laws upon laws. I have a mug at home that, that somebody got me that says, I love meetings. And then you turn it around and it says, about meetings. And then when you drink it on the bottom, it says, about even more meetings. <laughs> like if, you, if you're in the business world, you understand what that feels like, right? Is that you're just kind of meeting all the time to meet about other meetings, about other meetings. And that we do this with rules and laws. We create this rigid system where we want to know and understand who's on the team and who's not on the team. And we've tried to do this with faith. Even though Jesus, when he talked to Nicodemus, he says, like, the spirit comes. The wind, it's like a wind that blows here and there. You really can't capture this thing and put a formulaic rule system around it. You just can't do it. Because God is way bigger than any kind of formula that you create. And he's calling you as people who are in the faith, you as people who are, I'm sure, broken. I'm sure making a lot of mistakes like I do. But you as people of faith who are here today committing your, your time to learning more about God, to think about how could I potentially be a vessel of encouragement to someone else who's, in, who's on a journey in their faith. What if you started thinking about, think about the people in your life or in your circles where people talk about them as if they're enemies. What if you started loving Republicans or Democrats? What if you started loving people who are, struggling with their orientation, trying to figure that out. I'm not saying you guys are, I, you don't look like a group of people that hate anyone. But, I mean, what if we didn't just actively tolerate people, but what if we actively sought these people out and thought of them not as, oh man, you're not quite on this side of faith because you haven't quite done these things. You didn't do the baptism thing. You, didn't, you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart. You haven't done the things that you got to do. What if we thought God is wanting that child in his kingdom, no matter how far gone they might be or how new in the faith they might be? And my job isn't to decide whether that person's on the team. My job is just to help facilitate any seeds that could be planted to bring that person closer to Christ. What if that was the mentality that we approached with? So I want to give you just these two things to remember, okay? 
the acronym TEAM. What if you approached people with this acronym of treating everyone as a member? Now, that's weird for the church, right? Because we're always thinking, like when we have new people, and I think there's new people here. I heard you guys talking out there. It's almost like, what if, what if people could come in and feel like they're actually a part of Wellhouse? What if they could feel like they're truly a part of Wellhouse from the beginning? They know they're new. They know that they're, they don't know all of the stuff you guys do, and they've got to figure out how you do communion and how you set up and tear down and why we're in a skating rink, right? They, they, they know this stuff. But what if they felt so welcomed that it's like, hey, you're on the journey with me. No matter where we're at on the journey, I just want to be there to encourage you along. There are moments in your life where you're going to be the encourager and moments where you're going to be the encouraged. Sometimes you need it from someone else. I've learned a lot of things from people who are not even believers. I've learned a lot about my faith from people who aren't believers. But it starts with us choosing to not view them as enemies, but to view them as people on a journey with us. That we're all really on the same team. We are people created in the image of God, and he wants us all to come home. So think of your fellow person as a journeyman. Remember that team acronym, treat everyone as members. And I know in your mind, you're thinking of scriptures where you're like, I don't know if that works, Luke. I got you. I know there's a lot of letters Paul wrote that sound like team language. But when I go back to Jesus who's the source of, it, of all of this, he always turned everything on its head and said, no, whoever is not against us is for us. So if we start thinking of people, you're a member. You're in this with me. You're just at a different stage of your faith. That's a great starting point for us. I know Chris and the, the, the uh, group are going to come up here and uh, saying, I'm going to just pray for us as we are going about what this looks like in our lives. I want to challenge each of you to think who, rather than showing up today and asking, what's the lesson God wants me to learn? I want you to ask the question, to whom is God connecting me this week? Who is that journey, fellow journeyman that God wants me to connect with this week? And how can I be an encouragement to that person? Think of that person as we pray. Put that face in your mind. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment where you have been so forgiving to us. You know all of our flaws. And we come before you, Father, and we just lay them bare. And Lord, we thank you for shining light in those moments and reminding us that we are journeymen in this faith. We are seeking you, and sometimes we fall. And there are other people who are seeking you, or maybe they don't even know yet that they want to seek you. But I pray, Father, you would give us the same eyes that you have to see those people through your heart. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.